Hello, Internet. Roto World's Josh Norris here with a, another episode of actually the number one podcast in the country. It came back, and we heard from many, many, many that this is the best podcast, well, I guess in the world. Once again, if you agree, you can subscribe, you can listen, you can rate and review on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out at any point during this podcast if you enjoy it. It takes five seconds, 15 seconds at the most, um, maybe a minute if you're an old man. And you cannot type quickly enough. And speaking of old men, we have Patrick Doherty here. Pat, what's up, man? So I'm officially, I've been like the whiz kid for like my entire fantasy career, but I am now 30. So I guess that means that I am now chasing death more than uh, anything else. So You're in this difficult uh, area though, Pat, in that you have a baby face, yet you are 30 yes. plus, right? And I would expect – I know you're married. I know you're a dad not as say, well. Let's not say 30 plus yet. I'm exactly 30. Okay. But, but what I was going to say is if you were in the dating scene, for example, I would say that that might be difficult because, again, age – They've already gone off the rails. Plus baby face. I'm just saying. And I'm not speaking from experience here or anything. Um, That's why I got everything locked down pretty early. So, And before you were a fantasy football writer, again, this this continues to push my narrative that – once you start writing about football, you do not get married. You can, you can basically kiss ever having a date uh, again. Goodbye. Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, Is this a cry for help, by the way? Well, not um, not not a date necessarily, <laughs> but let's say a second date. Josh just wants a date, guy. Yeah. Girls, like, come on, like, just just one date. And on that note, we have Retrieve Bar here as well. <laughs> yeah, you know what's up, guys. Uh, you know, Pat sorry, is, we already uh, ruined the podcast before you even got introduced. <laughs> this. Uh, I mean, we can. I would rather just do a podcast on just Pat's age because Pat, like, if, if you know Pat, like, he's a very old soul, though. Uh-huh. I mean, he's he, he might be thirty, but I mean, he's he's as much dad as they as they come. I would I would do an entire podcast of trying to get dating advice from both of you. I think that would be very very interesting for our listeners. I've been married ten years. I'm out the. I've been long out the game. I know, but hey, anything can help me. Anything. I can imagine doing it now in this in today's age. I mean, it seems like. I, I know that that there's a lot more uh, internet access and it's easier to besides just going out and like talking to people. Right. But it just seems like a giant chore now to like even you, think about like dating. I told my wife I'm I'm just basically on default of laziness. Like I'm never getting divorced. You put Nick and I on one end, and then it's like a panel that we listen to you and Ray and Pat, and I guess Evans like somewhere in the middle. I I think that would be quality quality content that we could put out people are clamoring for it quite clearly I know. that's the main, number one thing people ask me on twitter is dating advice uh, so. uh speaking of content rich rebar has put out two pieces two features recently let's say your most recent one okay and it's titled winning losing and plays and reed's going to give you the floor in a moment to kind of encapsulate thousands of words into maybe 30 seconds but I, I i did want to bring up one interesting point that might lead us into a larger discussion for this piece of content and that's mike evans right mike evans his current adp is in the first round in the top 12 picks yet i believe you've you realized you surfaced that he was only a top 12 scoring wide receiver once in the final eight weeks of the last fantasy season 
well, he was above wide receiver 12 just once in those weeks. He was actually right on, spot on, the wide receiver 12 uh, the final two weeks of that stretch. But, yeah, he was outside. He was wide receiver 40 or lower in half of those games. And just to kind of gloss over the article that you could check out, you know, it just kind of we did these last year. I do these notebook series, you know, as we build up through the offseason that cover, you know, plays, red zone, splits, uh, coaching stuff. And, you know, we kind of just got the ball rolling this year. This one happens to be on, like, play splits that happened during in season that could roll over to this year. Um, there's also a section in the back that shows like what kind of fantasy output comes from each different type of scenario in the game what kind of script that the teams are in where you can expect your fantasy points to come and efficiency um but yeah we you know circling back to the mike evans take i mean dirt cutter was a guy who was pretty vocal multiple times at the front of last season that he wanted to reel in james winston uh the number of pass attempts he had he was concerned that winston was kind of you know trying to press the issue trying to do too much carry too much of the offense and they were able to do that the back half of the year i mean they went six and two the back stretch winning helps you change this by the way i mean you you know actually being able to pull off winning winning games allows you to reel in the game script just a la adam gase and the dolphins as well but when you look at the Buccaneers, I mean, they were completely awful, though, running the football too over that stretch. Like, there was no reason for them to keep running outside of just having a lead in games because they were horrendous. I mean, they were dead last the final eight weeks in yards per carry. Uh, they were 28th. They just had four rushing touchdowns. Their offensive line was really just travesty. I mean, Doug Martin and Jacquez Rogers, I put an article, they were they both were the second and the highest uh, in uh, percentage of runs that failed to gain positive yardage for backs to 100 carries in the season. There was no reason for them to run the ball from an efficiency stand, standpoint. It was just the scoreboard. They just didn't. He didn't want to keep putting the the ball into Jameis Winston's hands and then offense hands. And Mike Evans kind of had a downward spurt a la DeAndre Hopkins in 2015 when the Texans kind of turned the tide in their season and he lost that massive, massive target volume because Evans was averaging 13 targets a game those first, you know, eight games. Then he went down to just nine, a big shift, you know, in terms of opportunity and especially those fourth quarter attempts when you're chasing and, you know, able to stack those, you know, buckets of, you know, healthy coverage, you know, where, where they just leave you be and they don't, they're trying to run clock off. So, I mean, Evans is a guy I'm, I'm not really concerned about him. He's a 24 year old guy with massive touchdown upside, a huge playmaking upside he's not a guy that needs to catch 95 passes a year to be an awesome fantasy receiver but i think that he does have a lower floor than it is assumed by his adp pat what if i told you that i think the optimism about Jameis winston as a player and fantasy prospect as well there's a bit too much optimism around him right now uh, i don't know about that i would say maybe a push uh reeves kind of laid out the dynamic of their season um pretty well but I'd say a lot of that was improved decision-making. Not a lot of it, but part of it was improved decision-making. It wasn't just dirt cutter, like changing the formula, like kind of Jameis learning, you know, learning more. He's got to play more within himself. You can't be, like Dirk said, putting the offense on his back. It has to be smarter. has to make smarter throws. You know, you, there's a time to gamble, and it's not every drive. And I just think he played more, uh, it's a cliche, but played more within himself down the stretch. And yeah, I thought Jameis's uh, improved play down the stretch uh, was really impressive in the context of I mean, having zero weapons i mean they didn't they basically did not have a number two wide receiver uh like rich said they didn't basically didn't have a running game just horrendous on a per carry basis uh number two receiver was cameron Brait, which i mean cameron Brait's a you know, he's like a legit nfler but he should never ever be your number two passing target and so i people you know he's a young player who had a strong finish so they kind of tend to always get overhyped maybe overbought but I, I'm still very optimistic on Jameis Winston, and like, like uh, they've definitely improved the supporting cast. I mean, they got like a 
potentially special talent in OJ Howard, who doesn't have to be forced into the lineup immediately, can be kind of eased in. And then you have Deshaun Jackson, obviously, who can maybe completely change the dynamic of the passing offense. And which brings back to Mike Evans, where I, I think definitely uh, very good reason. Rebar laid it out perfectly. Very good reasons to be skeptical. Not skeptical, but just mm-hmm. you know, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. And I think he's a little optimistic as the wide receiver three. Probably shouldn't be going ahead of Julio Jones. Yeah. But uh, even if it's a team that's going to, you know, wants to remain committed to the run uh, and there's going to be more balance on offense, I think the more, uh, in theory, Deshaun Jackson, you know, Audrey Howard represent more competition, but they could, you know, definitely open things up for Mike Evans. And Mike Evans isn't a guy. He's had insane, like absolutely insane usage, but his skill set's the kind of skill set that, like, kind of like a Des Bryant who can make a huge fantasy impact without, you know, he doesn't need you know, 10 to 12 targets a game. He can kind of get by on like seven to 10 targets like Des Bryant and still make a, you know, enormous fantasy impact. So I think I'm still comfortable with Mike Evans as a top five wide receiver. Reeves, I mean, this is kind of the fantasy conundrum in a nutshell, right? I mean, there are negatives to every single pick we can make out there, right? And and so <laughs> with Mike Evans, is this a negative enough for you to select someone like T.Y. Hilton or Jordy Nelson above him or are you comfortable kind of with his current ADP, which Pat just mentioned is kind of in that Julio Jones, AJ Green, maybe even Michael Thomas tier? Yeah, I kind of I kind of like AJ Green a lot more than him. Oh, first good. of all, I mean, I mean, I do. <laughs> I think AJ Green is for sure like my wide receiver four. I mean, he was usually like what AJ Green is doing before he got hurt last year. And it was in a year where he had like unlucky touchdown production. We kind of went over that with Andy Dalton, you know, a few shows ago, um, how that tied in. But he was still first in, in points per game, you know, in, in both scoring formats. AJ Green was, you know, before he got hurt. And I think don't think his target volume is really going to change a whole lot. So, I mean, I still I feel like he's a lot more stable and has a larger body of work in different circumstances than Mike Evans does, where Evans has basically We've known one offensive script for Evans's career, except for the back half of last year. And it, and now you bring in more targets uh, in the offense. You know, it's it's tough to say. He's like I said, he's a guy that doesn't require like a, the 170 targets he got even mm-hmm. either. You can give him 140 targets and kind of get equal production out of him. He, he you kind of did the year before just out the touchdowns. So I mean. He he's someone that kind of falls into like an area where someone usually likes him more than me, just based on I don't I don't like him as much as where he is over Julio Jones and AJ Green. Um, But I would still like his touchdown upside more than a guy like T.Y. Hilton. I mean, he's a guy that could, you know, kind of, he could score four or five more touchdowns rather easily than T.Y. Hilton and make up any, you know, type of a gap in receptions because the yardage is still going to be there as well with the types of targets Mike Evans gets. Um, I think it's interesting too. Like we don't want to fade anyone just for like one set of outcomes for a schedule either. I mean, you look at Warren Sharp's strength of schedule analysis that's also on Roto World. Uh, he is the Buccaneers' 24th, you know, in strength of schedule. If you look at the Buccaneers' schedule, they play a lot of teams who we know coming into the season are going to score points. You know, outside of the AFC East teams that they play other than the Patriots, they don't have a lot of like real like vanilla offenses that they play. They're going to have to match points in a lot of these games, obviously against the the two games against the Falcons and the Saints. But they play the Patriots, the Cardinals, the Packers like these are teams are going to have to score points points with you you definitely feel good still, too, about, you know, him having opportunity to, you know, overcome, you know, one set outcome of game script. Uh, let's go to your next piece of content called Drives and Scoring Notebook. That's obviously also on rotoworld.com. Uh, it's kind of Falcons focused to start, right? And this is a Falcons team that Young Shanahan is now with the 49ers. They bring in Steve Sarkeesian, who has been a college coach for as long as I can remember. Falcons have a lot of uncertainty this year, right? And 
Obviously, plenty of great plays last year, week to week and season long, in Matt Ryan, in both the running backs, even in Taylor Gabriel in some situations. So, Reeves, quickly, is this a situation that you believe really will stay the same, same, even with the coaching change and the game flow, the not being up on the scoreboard as much as they were in the past? Oh, there's definitely going to be some recoil. It's very similar to, I wrote this article last year, and basically who headlined it was last year's version of Atlanta Falcons, the Carolina Panthers, you know, a team that just kind of went nuclear out of their out of their norm for a whole entire season. Because the NFL season is inherently small sample size. Things don't always, you know, retread to the norm, you know, within a season like they would in like a baseball or basketball, stuff like that. I mean, after averaging, you know, 36 offensive touchdowns per season during Matt Ryan's career, uh, before last year, you know, the Falcons had 58 touchdowns. Uh, they scored on 32 more possessions than they did in 2015 on the exact same number of drives that they had. Uh, you know, th- that's definitely going to, you know, kind of revert back to the norm unless they become one of these, you know, superpowered offenses. But in the article, I mentioned, too, that none of the teams that Drew Brees has had, none of the teams that Aaron Rodgers has had have been able to sustain the kind of output that the Falcons had. So, like, they'd be moving to some really lofty territory if they're able to roll over what they did last year. It's not outrageous to think that they can because, you know, their, their offensive line is probably better. Their defense is going to be better. Um, but the type that type of efficiency just doesn't really roll over. They can still be a really good offense. That's kind of what we talk about, the Doug Baldwin syndrome. Uh, not all regression is like an, an ultimate detriment for you to run and hide. Uh, but they're going to score fewer touchdowns this year. It's basically a given. Uh, I mean, you could pinpoint the two easiest guys uh, to probably score less touchdowns for them. is probably Tevin Coleman. I mean, he's a guy that he was 47th in touches at the position. Uh, but, you know, he is able to finish 14th in points per game. Those double-digit touches uh, just aren't going to aren't going to be enough. You know, those low double-digit touches aren't going to be enough for Tevin Coleman to really you know push you know that high RB2 cost. And then Taylor Gabriel is probably another easy guy. I mean, in a hyper-efficient year, you're going to have guys have live off of hyper-efficient type of play. I mean, he scored seven times in just 39 touches. He had more than three catches in just three games. I mean, he's probably a pretty easy pinpoint guy to say, like, he's not going to do what he did last year either. Pat, give me a firm opinion on the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, to repeat that last year, they would essentially, it, it would have to mean they're the best offense since, like, the 99 to 2001 Rams. And, I mean, last year they were basically unstoppable until they were up by 25 points in the Super Bowl. That was the first time all year they were stoppable. I can't lay it out better than Rich did, but I'm going to just make this a ridiculous off the cuff comparison to those Kurt Warner Rams. And (laughs) that team, it was like a 500 point team, basically three straight years, but like, look at the talent they had on offense. I mean, they had a future hall of famer left tackle on Orlando pace. They had two of the best wide receivers of an entire era and Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. They had game breaking players like Asa Keem and you know, their eras, David, I mean, he was a He was a huge playmaker. Who who is the Ricky pro? on this team though that's a good question and they you know they, the 99 2001 rams had you know this era they, they had that era as david johnson and marshall falk and they just isn't and that kind of talent. i mean devontae freeman's yeah. close enough right he's close he's an imitation type i mean he's a legitimate poor man's where you can call him like a poor man's david johnson in a way that's not derisive like it's kind of a compliment um but they just don't have I don't think they have that kind of like era defining talent on offense. And last year was kind of like a lightning in the bottle type season for them. And so Taylor Gabriel and Tevin Coleman, like uh, Rebar said, are just kind of no brainer regression candidates. Maybe uh, Devonte Freeman might actually post a little better numbers this year. Not that they were bad last year, 
But Matt Ryan's guy had 21 touchdowns in 2015. He had 38 last year. I look for kind of a split the difference season between the Falcons' basically dismal 2015 and otherworldly 2016. And, you know, that could be lazy analysis, but I just think it really is the most likely outcome. Reeves, this might not be a question that's fair to pose to you, and it might be one I just delete, but we'll see. (laughs) Uh, You know, this article was based on cumulative statistics on based on drives, right? Do you Mm -hmm. think it's something that the football community as a whole is missing in terms of not looking at player stats on a per drive basis rather than we, what we do, which is just a per play basis. Well, I mean, it all ties in together. I think that bulk stats, we're in the season of bulk stats too. And I've, I've mentioned this multiple times. If the people have followed me, you know, forever that, I actually, this is my least favorite time of the year for fantasy analysis because we look forward at the football season as a whole and we look backwards at seasons as a whole. We just talk about box stats. This guy was wide receiver 12, right. you know, with no context. This guy's going to be, you know, this guy's going to outkick his ADP with just no context of what it means for can you play this guy in your lineup? Listen, Duke Johnson is probably, I feel good about him besting his ADP, but is Duke Johnson a guy I really think I'm going to play in my lineup a bunch of weeks? Like, probably not as well. So, right, I mean, because we it's, it's, it's a week to week question that you're asking yourself. Right. Not a necessarily season long one when we get to it. Right. So per game output, you should definitely care about a lot more. And then you just kind of layer that down to what we're getting, what kind of plays make up games and what kind of opportunity lies and drives. And per drive performance, I think, is something that's definitely overlooked because it talks about how much time your players are getting the ball per game. You know, how much opportunity they have, not just the plays they're running, but how many times are they actually possessing the football? You know, you look at a team like the Detroit Lions last year, they had the fourth fewest possessions in an NFL season, you know, since 2000. You know, Matthew Stafford had just, uh, let's see, he had just four games where he had double-digit possessions. You know, it's hard for a quarterback to score a bunch of points, even if you're good on a per-drive basis. Um, you know, when you've got teams, you know, like the 49ers getting, you know, 13 possessions a game, 14 possessions a game. That's why your guy, you have a guy like Colin Kaepernick who can run. They're possessing the football more. He's scoring his points in a different fashion. That's why Colin Kaepernick was able to have the fantasy success he had. You know, and a guy like Matthew Stafford, you know, struggled down the back half of the year. He just wasn't getting – he was getting the football in like an Alex Smith-like fashion. Like that's basically – Matthew Stafford was like a glorified Alex Smith in, in fantasy football last year like that was what it was um no matter what way you decide it and that's the offense that he was in as well um but yeah i like per drive metrics so you get you start to see the efficiency and like you know you can kind of map out you know how how often your players are going to have opportunity to have the football you know pat rookies are shiny objects and christian mccaffrey <laughs> might be the shiniest object out there he, right now uh, basically blinding me right now so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I believe his ADP right now is at 38, so obviously just at the end of round three, early part of round four. Uh, there was an interesting blurb on Roto World recently that through the Panthers' website that everyone on the coaching staff seemingly believes that Jonathan Stewart is going to keep the same role he's had last year. Pat, I might even take it a step further and say his role in the red zone and goal line situations might even expand because there's no Mike Tolbert on the team anymore. So this leads me to say, Pat, is there any way that Christian McCaffrey can return good value on his current ADP of 38? Very hard to see. He's 38 overall. He's the RB 13. And but I think this is going to be one of those uh, kind of rare situations where like everybody's right. Like they're right about he can't live up to his current ADP. And I'm going to say my opinion is that he will outtouch Jonathan Stewart, despite what the Panthers' website 
is uh predicting and I, th- I think it's like a thing where they don't have to be like diametrically opposed points where just because i think christian mccaffrey will out touch jonathan stewart doesn't mean i think he could possibly live up to his extremely optimistic adp right now and when it comes to the jonathan stewart christian mccaffrey thing i i, I guess like i agree with the argument to the letter of the law or jonathan stewart maybe will keep uh be like the primary first or second down guy, but yeah. I think he'll he'll just be the primary. He won't be the exclusive. No matter how good of a receiver Christian McCaffrey is, you know some people talk about him like he's basically a receiver. Uh, he is a running back. You don't draft a a win now team, especially a team that's built to win right now. Like the Panthers, they do not take a running back at number eight overall if they're planning for him to have the second most carries on the team. I, mean, I just think maybe that's too simplistic a logic, but I just you just don't see that happen. Like you just you don't draft a running back in the top ten if you're planning for your 30 year old back who hasn't appeared in 16 games since like 2010 to still lead the backfield. So overall he probably won't have enough touches to live up to RB 13, especially in standard leagues. Most people play PPR now, maybe in PPR you could uh, make a slightly better argument in his favor, but very hard to see Christian McCaffrey living up to RB 13. But I also think uh, it's, I think it's kind of silly to silly is a bad word, but I just don't think, Jonathan Stewart will outrush or outtouch Christian McCaffrey. But, okay, Reeves, is this one of those situations where we're going to look back and let's say we are the drafter that selects Christian McCaffrey, right? He might even be the first running back you take. From what Pat's saying, I could see the situation, the scenario, where this isn't someone who gets off to a roaring start, right? He might be quiet for those first three or four weeks. And, I mean, then you just wasted that position of where you drafted him. And then, yeah, he comes on later, but it's like what you just mentioned. It's a week-to-week discussion that we're having with ourselves, not necessarily a season-long one. And if he does out-touch Jonathan Stewart for the season, like I'm bringing up here, it might not be in those early portions of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's Pat laid it out really well. It's hard to see him really outkick his coverage, and it's hard for him to get on my radar because when I use my premium draft capital – I'm trying to take guys with like touchdown ceilings. Like I want a guy, I want all my guys that I take early on to like theoretically be able to score touchdowns and like score, like save bad games with touchdowns, you know, games where the game where Christian McCaffrey only gets 12 touches instead of, you know, 16. I want to know that he's got touchdown upside to, to save those low, low floor weeks. And I think that's the big hangup. Um, no matter what, he might be a guy that comes on yardage wise, but where are we finding the touchdowns for him? Yeah. At Bookmaker EU, he has a seven touchdown over under. Uh, that seems just about right. I mean, are you going to be happy with your RB1 or, or high RB2, you know, with seven touchdowns total on season? Probably not. You're probably going to be disappointed. Um, so, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the way Pat laid it out. Like, they didn't take him up that high for him to get out touched by Jonathan Stewart. I don't think that that's going to happen. I'm just trying to find an avenue to where he can score touchdowns. He's got to compete with Stewart and Cam Newton in that area of the field, uh, short yardage. Um, running backs don't catch a bunch of passing touchdowns, anyways. He might tack on, you know, a, a couple here, but guys aren't guys aren't catching, you know, six seven touchdowns out of the backfield uh, in today's Unless NFL. It really does. Frank Gore. <laughs> Or didn't Frank Gore have some insane <laughs> amount of receiving touchdowns two years? Well, ago? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of a mod, I'm thinking of a mod Bradshaw on the Colts that one year. I, I'm I'm not looking it up. I think he scored like 16 receiving touchdowns. In what? <laughs> no, that's I'm exaggerating. It was like six or seven, and I thought it was insane at the time. Uh, are either of you excited for any rookies this year? Well, real quick, before you change the subject, yeah. Like clearly, we've all laid out there are 
very valid reasons. Rebar, I think, hit on probably the number one reason, like where the touchdown is going to come from. Christian McCaffrey, I think we all agree, is probably special enough talent. There's a chance that maybe he could be like a take the league by storm player, you know, just immediately explode. And what would you put the, what would you put the odds at that? Like, we're like McCaffrey is just like too good to be bottled up by like, no matter what the offense is, what, what do we think the odds are of like, just kind of one of those amazing rookie seasons where the guy just hits the ground running and never looks back. Like I mean, it's, it's, it's becomes rarer and rarer. Yeah, it does. But I, I put it at like 20% where he's, his talent just is, too much to ignore and he just kind of explodes but you know that's a one in five shot which isn't that good if you're looking so yeah uh reeves are you excited about any rookies i mean excited probably not i mean i tend to i'm someone that's you know i play a little more closer to the vest fantasy wise like i say i like to play a lot more like within the mean and we don't know a lot of means these players i mean listen you can't scared money doesn't make money either but i mean i I tend not to pay for things that don't exist okay one did there then um thanks pat Thanks, Rich. We kept this under 30 minutes. I'm proud of us. That was the only goal. Our only goal for the podcast. We didn't didn't really have to be good, necessarily. <laughs> it just had to be under a certain amount of time. That was all really these people, all, these all people three of us were thinking about will be coming sad. into the so. Okay, well, okay, okay. We have three minutes exactly. I will ask one question, all right? So we just ruined ah. the only goal of nope, the podcast. Nope, we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do this. Who is the first quarterback benched in 2017? Tom Josh Savage. McCowan, he breaks his collarbone on the Jets' opening drive okay. of the season. Reeves? <laughs> no, I, like, true benching, I'll say Tom Savage. I think he gets less than three starts. Got it. I All think right. he gets benched in training camp, to be perfectly frank. That's Yeah, that's probably more accurate. Look look at what this causes. It causes short answers. It causes little <laughs> sound bites. Wow. Wow, this is amazing. All right, guys, thanks so much. And for everyone out there listening, thank you so much. And again, if you enjoyed this podcast at all, subscribe, rate, review. Again, it helps us out. And be on the lookout for all of Reeves' content over at rotorworld.com. And maybe Pat and I will write one eventually. See you next time. We've got an article series coming in July. Be on the lookout, folks. (laughs) It is July, Pat. It's already July. That's what I meant, this month. Got it. (laughs) Clarification. See you next time. (laughs) 